Hello, and welcome back to Let Me Explain You a Thing, the podcast where I ramble mindlessly about a topic that's been cooking on the old brain pan for some time. Um, And if I know you in person, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I thought today I would talk a little bit about uh, some magic lore, some predictions for the future, Um, you know, kind of dissect... Uh, a certain dynamic that's been playing out in the story of Magic the Gathering over, uh, yeah, maybe the past 10 to 15 years. Uh, it's been a minute. So what, what I'm talking about, of course, is the role of planeswalkers in the story. Uh, planeswalkers, you know, as a little, little context, a little background, planeswalkers have existed in the story since the very beginning, I believe... The story that was included in the original rules booklet uh, detailed uh, a magical duel uh, or battle between two planeswalkers. Not a lot of, uh, I believe, I have not read this story, I just know about it, but I believe not a lot of actual info is given about what a planeswalker is, it's just implied that it's a powerful wizard. Um, and, you know, as the story would go on, uh, the the key element would be added that planeswalkers are capable of traveling between uh, between the, di- the dimensions um, of reality, um, otherwise known as planes, that the primary plane in the story was Dominaria, um, that was, you know, kind of the central plane in the mythos. Uh, but there, you know, other planes would be explored. Uh, I forget what... Oh, Homelands is called Ulgrotha. Yeah, so Ulgrotha is one of those planes. Uh, was initially used as kind of a romantic getaway by, I believe, Pharaohs and Sarah. Um... Sarah created her own plane, Sarah's Realm. Uh, the planeswalker Dyfed took, uh, not Mishra, uh, Yagmoth himself to a plane called, uh, not new Phyrexia, just Phyrexia. Um, Dyfed took Yagmoth to Phyrexia, which was even then kind of like a rotten place, uh, had been the kind of the you know, personal realm of some dragon planeswalker. Uh, not Nico Bolas, but that would be a twist um, if that were ever to be revealed. Um, but yeah, so planes have always been kind of on the outskirts of the story because uh, primarily the story took, took place in Dominaria. Um, but planeswalkers, a planeswalker, that was basically a stand-in for a being of immense power. So powerful that they could transcend reality. And that was the way of it for many years, even after, uh, the, the kind of, like, early, uh, quirks of magic story were, um, kind of more formalized, 
and after some of those weird random rough edges were kind of sanded off um, or revised or you know what's the term retconned I suppose uh, to, to kind of fit together better um, thinking like invasion block story so around the year 2000 um, this is when the Phyrexians formerly formally invade the plain of Dominaria they use um, an artificial subplane called Wrath um, that is like sort of used as a staging ground and they, they build it up with a lot of their you know war material and uh, you know warriors and whatnot and somehow overlay the plane of wrath onto Dominaria so they just kind of like drop it onto Dominaria don't know how that was imagined to work I have not read that story um, but point being that this was the role of planes, I think, very characteristic of how planes worked in earlier magic story. They were kind of just there um, as a staging ground for larger stories centering around Dominaria. And planeswalkers, yeah, like I said, were powerful beings, but being able to travel between the planes was not like a super novel thing. Um, there were, you know, various sundry portals and, uh, passageways from one plane to the next that non-planeswalkers could and did avail themselves of. Interesting to note that Yagmoth, in spite of, uh, being from Dominaria originally, uh, and later becoming, like, the ruling lord of Phyrexia, uh, not a planeswalker. Every time he traveled back and forth between Dominaria and Phyrexia uh, was with the aid of some kind of portal. I think there was one created by uh, two halves of a, a Thran power stone um, in the caves of Koilos, and that was kind of the, the main one um, that he used initially. And then during the invasion, after he had advanced from a mere human or Thran, I guess, uh, mortal physician to the god of Phyrexia. He appeared in Dominaria as like a giant death cloud. Um, but then again, there's also Urborg, tomb of Yagmoth. So I guess he must have taken on a corporeal enough body in Dominaria at some point to be slain. I don't know a ton about that. Would be interesting to learn. Um, and, you know, also worth noting that there have been incredibly important, influential, powerful characters in the story up until um, Time Spiral, we'll say, so, like, 2006, up until that point, who were not Planeswalkers. Like, obviously, there were very important Planeswalker characters. Uh, Urza assembled the Nine Titans, which was a crack team of Planeswalkers who, 
you know, infiltrated Phyrexia with the intent to sabotage the invasion and kill Yogmoth on his home turf. Didn't work. Um, but for a number of years, the story, the, the sort of leading characters of this story had been the Weatherlight crew. So Gerard, Sisse, Hannah, um, Tangarth, uh, Squee, and none of those characters were planeswalkers. The ship was ca uh, capable of plane shifting, um, basically traveling between planes, but uh, none of the characters were. I think they realized that, yeah, if you could just have a character like like teleport away if they get into a scrap, then, you know, you have to contrive a lot of reasons for them not to do that, basically. Um, so for story reasons, it makes sense that, you know, planeswalking is kind of held at a distance from the principal cast. Um, but what else? There, I mean, obviously a lot of other characters who took part in the wars of Dominaria, who brokered peace, who led nations, um, who were not planeswalkers, like, uh, Joda, the Archmage Eternal, still a character in the story, as the name would imply, he's immortal, um, Joda, Joda is an interesting character, I actually just learned that Jaya Ballard, who is a planeswalker, gave Joda an amulet, that would allow him A, to live as long as he chose, so, you know, make him functionally immortal, um, and B, to keep his, like, basically preserve his mental health um, across the ages so that he would not, like, uh, lose his sanity due to living a long, interminable life. Um, which is kind of an interesting conceit, and I'm, I'm sort of glad that that was part of the story. Like, they realize, oh yeah, this is not a thing for normal human brains. <laughs> uh, immortality is a kind of fucked up, messy thing. Anyway, so... So yeah, a lot of important characters who are not planeswalkers. Um, and a number of planeswalkers whose only role was to, you know, sort of a supporting cast. Uh, Difed, I mentioned, showed Yogmoth to Phyrexia, and also to a, a beautiful, abundant plane called Pyrulia, I believe. Um, and then, like, was betrayed by Yogmoth not long after. Um, she doesn't have much of a story. Her story is uh, demonstrating how cruel and power-hungry Yogmoth is. Um, so let's see. Yeah, so that was kind of the, the state of affairs for Planeswalkers. And then, you know, there were a few years where Magic... Uh, I, would, I would say this is another age of Magic's story, where, you know, we leave Dominaria. The connection to Dominaria for three years running 
is fairly tenuous and increasingly so. Like, you got um, Start With Mirrodin, which was created by uh, Karn, who is a planeswalker. Um, I forget at what point he got a spark, how that, that came to pass, but um, as a non-natural being, uh, a golem, he he did not, you know, naturally have a spark. He, he gained it from another being, I think, giving it to him. Forget how that worked. I think it was... Jessica? No, I don't know. Um, anyway, so Karn creates a plane called Argentum, which is initially meant to be a home for a golem and uh, a place of mathematical perfection, and it becomes sort of corrupted and taken over by the being that he set up as caretaker over Argentum and uh, Memnarch then uh, populates it further with uh, uh, creatures and races kidnapped from elsewhere in the multiverse um, who become infused with metal over time due to the nature of Mirrodin um, but, you know, yeah, and then the plane becomes known as Mirrodin. So, other, you know, apart from Karn being kind of part of the distant history of the plane, uh, there's no connection to Dominaria. And then the next year we jump to... And I guess the whole, the whole, like, story of the plane is... Uh, Memnarch is trying to, he basically creates like a proving ground for the plane from all these natural beings that he's uh, kidnapped and his plan is to find a creature that naturally has a spark and steal it somehow so he can escape Mirrodin so planeswalking is kind of a, a main motivator in the story um, Karn as a planeswalker is, uh, you know, an important figure in the story. And, uh, I think of the culmination of the story, the goblin artificer Slowbad, uh, does manifest a spark and it is briefly, or no, somebody manifests a spark. Memnarch takes it, Slowbad ends up getting it back and saves, you know, the multiverse from getting Memnarch as a new planeswalker. Um, but then he gives up the spark because he really just cares about his friends and um, being plane bound on Mirrodin, which is, just an incredibly selfless act. Um, you wouldn't see that anymore in the story. Getting there, though. Um, so next, we have...
Next we have um, the Kamigawa block, which canonically is set like thousands of years before the point we are in the story today, which is interesting. Um, the main character of the Kamigawa block story shares a surname with a random weird bit character from a very early magic set. And at the end of the story, we learn that they do leave Kamigawa somehow. Um, Toshiro Umizawa does leave Kamigawa and becomes the progenitor of the Umizawa line on Dominaria. Um, which later results in uh, Tetsuo Umizawa, who is, uh, a, I believe, a general and right-hand man of uh, Nikol Bolas in the Emperor, uh, the Madarin Empire, the Darin. Um, and then you've got Tetsuko Umizawa, who is around in the present day uh, timeline. So anyway, um, and then the next year after Kamigawa, you have the Ravnica block, which has no planeswalkers, no real discussion of planeswalking or getting a spark or anything. It is an entirely plain-bound, encapsulated story, and probably, probably the first told in Magic the Gathering lore to be so comprehensively closed off from the rest of the multiverse. But it works because it's the city plane. It's the, the plane that is completely filled edge-to-edge -edge by city. So... Yeah, it's interesting. Every time there's a, a city that is kind of the main feature of a plane, like New Capenna, um, and the city is called New Capenna, we don't know what the plane is called or what really exists outside the city, which is weird. It's like 1920s Chicago, except, oh wait, except it is planted right in the middle of the cornfields. Never mind. Um... But yeah, it, you know, so Ravnica is kind of interesting in that way. Like, you know, Amonkhet has the city of Noctamun, which is surrounded by endless desert, so far as we know. Um, but yeah, so Ravnica is, is very singular in that regard. And then after Ravnica, we come back to, to Dominaria for the Time Spiral block. Um, in Time Spiral, the... Time, Dominaria is basically dealing with multiple, you know, cascading uh, apocalypses, apocalypses, um, multiple catastrophes. Uh, the the um, you know depletion of mana after Corona, the false god. Um, you've got 
the fallout from the Phyrexian invasion. Um, you've got... I mean, there were other apocalyptic events. Like, the Brothers' War resulted in um, an ice age on, on the plane. Um, massive climate change... Uh, yeah, climate change due to this war. So, yeah, things, you know... We have, you know, kind of a lot... Uh, a lot to deal with. The time mage, Teferi, had been... Uh, fucking around with time and, like, phased an entire uh, country out of existence. Um during the Phyrexian invasion to kind of save it. Yeah, that's an interesting story to, to someday be told when it finally gets phased back in. Um, what else? So there, there was a lot of, a lot of mess to clean up, and so uh, a bunch of planeswalkers did so, and the resulting, the resulting uh, activity was known as the mending, where all these temporal rifts were sealed up and Dominaria was healed, the flow of mana was restored, um, everything shipshape again, or you know. The, the heading has been corrected. And Dominaria, um, or I guess rather the nature of Planeswalker's sparks has changed. So now, no longer than basically being a guarantee of immortality and, um, you know, uh, a badge of immense power and stature. Um, planeswalkers are now a bit more down to earth. They're people who can travel between the planes, but are, have a bit more, you know, um, moderate, you know, powers. Uh, you have, you know, some young planeswalker characters who are introduced thereafter. You've got, uh, Jace and Chandra, who, are, I think, like, teenagers, or maybe, like, 20, um, at the start of this story, and, you know, they're, uh, it's sort of like, we're at this point where everyone's so hyper, super-powered, um, so OP, uh, like, everyone's an Omega-level X-Man, and now we're going to pull back and, and tell some stories about, like, Kitty Pride, who's, you know, just kind of, like, has some cool powers, but is not, like, you know, a superhuman reality-shaping being. Um,
So anyway, um, and then you have a number of years of story where, you know, these planeswalkers uh, encounter various threats. They set up the Eldrazi. Um, they set up, you know, Nicol Bolas as a, a major antagonist again. They set up the Phyrexians again. Um, when we go back to Mirrodin, we find out that the Phyrexians uh, survived in uh, trace amounts of oil, their DNA, their blueprint of all their evil um, survived and is replicating. Um, and, you know, eventually the forthcoming Phyrexians take over Mirrodin and rename it New Phyrexia. Um, for now, they're stuck on that plane. They have no way of traveling between planes. Um, because, you know, planar bridges, they also kind of nerfed those so that, uh, they could work within the story, uh, within the confines of, um, planeswalkers traveling between planes. Um, but then, you know, something changed. Uh, you know, we had the multi-year Bolas arc. We had that culminated in War of the Spark. Um, and now we're in the midst of another Phyrexian invasion. And something's changed in the last couple of years with their approach to story. I think, like, yeah, there there have been some major setbacks for the characters. Like, on Amonkhet, uh, the Gatewatch, um, you know, the Avenger, Magic's Avengers, or uh, Justice League, or whatever kind of got their clocks cleaned by Bolas, but in the end, they ended up imprisoning him back in a, uh, his own meditation realm, which is, you know, it's a good, a good stopgap, like, they can hold on to him, and, uh, you know, the magic story, uh, people can, like, kind of hang on to Bolas and reintroduce him. He can break free, or maybe more compellingly, be sprung from his prison by the Gatewatch because they need his help. That would be pretty dramatic. And I do predict, so now now we're getting on to the predictions uh, side of the show. I predict that that Bolas is going to be released voluntarily by the Gatewatch, or by some members of the Gatewatch, maybe acting acting independently um, in order to fight the Phyrexians. Uh, we saw this last time around, where there were some kind of uh, unsavory characters who joined Urza uh, against the Phyrexians. Um, the planeswalker Tevesh Zot uh, was one of them. Um, and I believe Zot was killed by Bolas in the Time Spiral arc. Because, again, that was another instance where Bolas and some other planeswalkers were working together with, you know, the good guys, quote-unquote, uh, to seal up these time rifts. Because every so often there just comes a threat that is bigger than any one person, and even the greatest megalomaniac out there is going to want things to be, going to want there to be a multiverse still remaining for them to rule over. 
So I do predict that they're going to release Bolas to help against the Phyrexians. Um, but yeah, we have a multi-set arc coming up, and it's, you know, some very tantalizing uh, little tidbits have been released. So we've got Dominaria United, the Brothers War, and the main purpose of the Brothers War set in the story is for Teferi to go back in time and see how the Golgothian Silex was used. Because even though Karn just has a replica, uh, nobody knows how to use it. So, how to activate it. And that's the whole goal, to like take this nuke into New Phyrexia and fucking blow up the plane. Um, but yeah, so, we don't have that just yet. Um, Brothers War will, will include the, the resolution to Teferi going back and finding, uh, finding the instructions for the Silex. Um, after that, I don't recall, there's March of the Machine. We know nothing about that, and honestly don't know where it's going to take place. Um, could be on New Phyrexia. Or, okay, there's one set that I can't remember the name of, and then there's March of the Machine. I don't remember which order those are in, which is the winter and which is the spring set. And then you have a follow-up spring set, I guess, which is called, like, uh, such and such aftermath. Might be March of the Machine aftermath. No, I do want to say March of the Machine is the first one. Um, anyway, and the Aftermath set comes out, like, weeks after the main set. So it's as much as they can do to really, like, control the, the story unfolding. Um, you know, when you get one set released, you get the whole story right then and there. And they can't really... They've tried things, but they can't really control what order people see cards in or what order people experience the story. They put, like, an Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 marker in the, the corner of the card, but, you know, you have to kind of do some work on your own to assemble those, and you could still see the end before, you know, you, you're ready, I guess. So that's, I guess, what they're going to try to do. And they've also said that the nature of planeswalking is going to change. So here's my big prediction for this. I believe that, that planeswalkers are going to become less of a thing. Um, that planeswalkers are... I, I think, like, mechanically, planeswalker cards will still exist... They've made a couple changes over the years, um, replacing the Planeswalker uniqueness rule, rule, which meant that you could only have one Jace out at a given time. 
with just the standard legendary rule, which is you could have multiple Jaces, but only one by a given card name. So you could only you could have Jace Bellerin, Jace the Mind Sculptor, um, you know, Jace Wielder of uh, whatever, but you can't have two Mind Sculptors out. Um, and they did that just because they kept reusing characters, and it got to the point where, like, to have to choose one Jace is really undermining, you know, we, we were in a time when there would be multiple of one character just in standard. Even after they changed the legendary rule so that you playing a, a Planeswalker wouldn't counter, wouldn't destroy the other person's Planeswalker, because that was the case for a while, and it used to be that you could play Jace Bellerin, which was a three-mana Planeswalker, to get rid of your opponent's Jace the Mind Sculptor, which was four-mana. But that, that, was, that hasn't been the case for some time. is that, yeah, planeswalking is going to change, and it's going to change by becoming, it's going to be kind of tamped down for a while, like maybe everybody loses their spark for a while, or it goes dormant, because here's the thing, commander is the major driver of, uh, <coughs> the major driver of magic play, it is the largest format. It's not larger than all the other formats put together. It's not the majority of all Magic play, um, but is it is the largest single format. And a lot of people, an unknown number, but projected to be huge, uh, a lot of people just play Cards That I Own, which is a format where you, you know, it's not, it's not rotating, it doesn't, it's not beholden to any particular rules, it's just, I own these cards, I'm going to build a 60 card deck out of them. Uh, and like, Commander, you kind of have to have a certain level of know-how for it to work. Um, either buying a pre-con, or saying, like, you know, knowing, okay, it's got to be nine, 100 cards, which includes the commander or commanders. Uh, it's got to be restricted to the commander's colors. And it's got to be, you know, singleton. And it has to, like, work. You know, it can't just be a pile. Like, it has to have certain things, like removal and ramp and card draw. As well as threats and wing cons. So, anyway, um, yeah, how will planeswalking change? I think because legendary creatures, due to commander, are so key to the game right now, 
and they keep finding excuses to jam as many legendary creatures into a set as possible. Like, Dominaria United had, I think, like, 50 in between the, the commander set and, uh set booster only like box toppers for legends retold i think it was it was like 60 70 new legendary creatures you have other high watermarks like kaldheim or uh, kamigawa neon dynasty with like 30 35 legendary creatures and i think they're like there there gets to be this problem when you want, like, plane-bound, like, legendary creatures as characters alongside planeswalkers, but you know planeswalkers are going to survive and move on, and they'll be okay. It kind of cheapens these stories that are told about a plane when, like, yeah, they're just on to the next after this. The only times any planeswalkers have died have been during War of the Spark. And honestly, fewer died than could have. So I'm of the opinion that they're going to figure out how to bring these main major characters onto legendary creatures for a while. Maybe not forever, but for a time. And it does seem like with Planeswalker cards, they're kind of running out of space, maybe. Like, for a long time it was, you know, these characters have a certain power set, this is what they do. Like, Jace was a memory mage, so his early card was all about drawing cards and milling. Um, that's what they were about for a good while. But then, you know, over time, it's like, oh yeah, now he can make illusions. Now he can make stuff unblockable. Uh, now he can, you know, like, bounce stuff. Like, they've found other things for him to do. Uh, and I think they can explore different design space by saying, okay, this person is a nature mage. But now we're kind of branching them out from mono green to, like, we're going to check out how they, how they play in, like, green-blue or green-black. But I think they're just, you know, like, kind of scraping the barrel. And a lot of Planeswalker cards are very difficult to remember what they do. Like, there's... Like, you can recite... A lot of the time you can recite the important stats on a legendary creature. Like, oh yeah, this is two green-white for a 3-3 three, three human cleric, and it's got these things. Because the abilities are all cohesive. Maybe they're static abilities. They work together somehow. Planeswalkers, it's like, yeah, this is three blue-blue. Uh, starting loyalty four, I think. It's got plus one, minus three, and a minus seven. 
and each of these abilities are distinct. Like, they don't build towards one another, really. So, yeah, I, I just think they're going to have to figure out how to take a break from that formula for some time. I don't know for how long, but we'll see. is like a little too overpowered and you have no way of like bringing her back down to earth without like you know changing the rules in a big way or you just get her out of the way and like tell stories about other characters but I don't think they can do that but it is interesting like for a long time they were very committed to Jace as like the the kind of face of magic. This is, you know, the character that most players identified with. But now that they've really embraced, uh, you know, and pursued diversity in the player, in, in the game, in the player base, and have tried to make it more accessible for uh, women and marginalized people to get into the game, I think they're They've definitely reached a point already where uh, Jace is either no longer the face of the game, representative of the, the average player, or they just don't want him as the face of the game. Um, like, hmm, this, like, kind of mousy white kid in a hoodie is maybe not the right... Maybe that's, you know, not, not how we want our game to look, how we want the average player of our game to look. I don't know. Maybe that's a controversial point. But I do kind of believe that, you know, for whatever reason, Jace is no longer the guy. And I don't know if Chandra's the, the number one uh, leading lady anymore, either. Um, so who knows? Time will tell. But we know we're in for an upset, and I think, depending on the nature of that upset, I think it's time. Anyway, uh, I am still driving, but I'm going to cap it there because I've been talking for 
Oh, 45 minutes. Perfect. Um, but yeah, those are some thoughts about Planeswalkers, the nature of the, the Planeswalking spark, how it might change, how Planeswalkers have changed already in the story. Um, and I'm uh, eager to see what comes next for them. But that's all for my explainer today. I'll explain you a thing next time. Take care.